Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, okay, so this is SyrupCast 33. Wasn't Jesus 33 when he died? Hello and welcome to another episode of SyrupCast on this lovely sunny day in Toronto. <laughs> As always, I'm joined by our green headphoned, uh, lovely... Green Goblin. ...co-host. Uh, the Green Goblin. No, that's not that's not okay. Oh. Uh, Jane, Crit- uh, Jane Critsonis. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Jane McIntaggart, how are you? I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say every second word, and then Ted is gonna say every other word in the middle. <laughs> okay, so that sounds good. Person. That's a good experiment. And uh, for the first time on the Syrup Cast, our special guest, our uh, tech in the car expert, Ted Critsonis. How are you, sir? Good, man. How you doing? I am very, very well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Ted uh, has been on Mobile Syrup for how long have you been writing for us now? On and off, about two it, years. Yeah, I think it's about two years now. Yeah, yeah. So, but I've known Ted's for, done I've known you for longer, though. You have, you have. You've been a, a good friend of mine. You've yeah. you've always uh, been there to to give me a drink at the at the free tech parties, and uh, and we've we've talked <laughs> scotch and cigars and <laughs> and all other manners of manly things. Um, Absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I I really enjoy talking to you, and we thought we'd try to have you on the on the pod because. Uh, this week is the Canadian Auto Show, and although you dabble in all kinds of tech, for Mobile Syrup specifically, you have uh, written exclusively on auto tech. Um, and the Canadian Auto Show is one of these interesting anomalies, because as you wrote in your piece, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of new in-car um tech that we'd be interested in but in contrast the uh, the car industry is in flux right now there's a lot of really fantastic tech happening uh, both from the auto manufacturers and from uh, traditional mobile providers like Google and app and Apple so we thought we'd get you on to uh, to talk a little bit about that so uh, give me give me just a, a little bit of kind of a high level uh, take on what you thought about the auto show. You, you said in your piece, and if you haven't checked it out, uh, it's a fantastic piece. Uh, but you said that there wasn't a whole lot that that uh, impressed you. Um, how come? Why? Why was that? Well, there were, because there just wasn't a lot to see. Uh, the The issue for me was that when we're at a stage where cars are not just more connected, but they there's just so much more tech. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff to see under the hood. And there's beautiful cars at the show. I mean, I have to say, there's a lot of pretty stuff to watch to see there. But, uh, but unfortunately, in the cabin uh, of the vehicle, 
there was not a lot to see at all. I mean, I was I was totally stunned when I went to Ford and they said, yeah, we're not showing Ford Sync 3, which is coming out this year in their newest vehicles, and which has Siri integration and is a totally new look because now Qnix is the middleware provider for Sync 3 as opposed to Microsoft, where it was for all those years. So you have customers, potential customers coming in this is a very significant part of the in-car experience, and you're not showing it. Uh, it struck me as bizarre, and no one seems to know why it wasn't being shown. So, in fact, that was sort of a broad-based thing. Nobody seemed to know why the in-car tech wasn't being shown uh, at an auto show. I don't know. Uh, so it's it's very strange. The the comments on your post, a lot of people are worried that it means that there a lot of these things aren't coming to Canada. Do you think there's any merit to that is that a possibility yeah absolutely there is merit to that because that i mean we've had that happen for years uh i mean sync actually since i already mentioned it um has something called app link which has been in the u.s for a while where certain apps are uh, optimized to work with the system uh we've never had that up here and uh i mean i remember talking to a couple of ford executives in the u.s who didn't even know that they they assumed uh, that it was already here, but it wasn't. I mean, year after year, it's always been like, yeah, next year we're thinking of bringing it in next year. That next year has never come. So, uh, so it, it's... I love that. They're like, you guys have that, right? And we're like, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, well, whatever, so you know. Yeah, Canada's no harm, no foul. subject to those things. <laughs> totally. And I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making that comment to call out these particular individuals. I, I, I'm just pointing out that where... You know, now the buying the, the, the buying decision for a vehicle, I mean, this is a very significant purchase for a lot of people, for anybody, really. Uh, the, the tech that's inside the vehicle is going to play a role in how seriously people consider that purchase. Now, I'm not saying that they're doing that right now, but if you are coming out with something that is very specific and, 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 and you're also promoting it uh, everywhere else, but you don't show it at the at the premier Canadian auto show. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I, I find it a bit odd, uh, but uh, I find it even stranger that there was no real explanation uh, as to why that was the case. So, yeah. So I, I walked around the uh, the show floor as I wrote and saw a lot of blank screens in in vehicles. That's the weird part for me because I was reading your post just before the podcast and they're saying there's blank screens. Like, I... yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing was turned on. It was, it was very, it was not what I expected. I mean, I can definitely so, sum it up that way. How, how important is in-car tech to these companies these days? I mean, can you give me a bit of a background as to when stuff like this, and we're talking about not just, um, you know, Bluetooth connectivity in the car, but the the reality of how important the marriage of, mobile tech and smart tech as it pertains to your smartphone um has been for these auto um these these uh, auto manufacturers you know how long did it take for this kind of technology to become ubiquitous well i think it's you know and we've talked about this you and i uh, privately i think the proliferation of mobile devices in general kind of forced their hand um, a lot of the the changes that we're seeing in car tech is is largely uh, imported. Uh, it's 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 not coming from the automakers. It's coming to the automakers, 
and they're trying to adapt as best as they can. And look, they're, they're working on some very interesting technologies, but there's a couple of problems. There's a couple of very uh, significant issues that they face. Number one is that the average uh, product cycle for a vehicle is like four years. That, that's an eternity in, in mobile You're terms. talking about from conception until release for, yeah, a, yeah. for a vehicle. So we're, exactly. So we're talking about from, you know, the, 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 they conceive the idea and then it rolls out to market. We're looking at four years. So in some cars, it's a little bit less. Some cars, it might be a little bit more. But the point is that it's years, right? In mobile terms, as we know, that's, that's almost an eternity. Uh, yeah. it, it is a long time. So if you're... If you're designing a vehicle, and when I say designing, I mean, we're talking about even the infotainment system. That product cycle is not less, necessarily, than the rest of the car. Uh, so the other issue th with that uh, is that the car is designed by different, I don't want to call them factions, but they are different entities within the, the organization. These guys don't always communicate. Uh, you know, and and they all have their own clout, and they don't want to lose that. So but that's no dis that that's that's sort of the same as a big company like Apple that has to deliver both a piece of hardware and a piece of software. Absolutely, they just seem to yeah. do it a little bit more uniformly than than one of these manufacturers, like car manufacturers. Well, of course, yeah, and and it's it's not an apples to apples comparison, uh, no question. Uh, Apple's uh, business is very different than say you know any of the automakers but the other the other problem to me uh is also that there's no industry standardization whatsoever uh when it comes to in-car tech i mean a lot of the standardization that we do enjoy like bluetooth like you mentioned uh or even an, uh, something as simple as an auxiliary input that all was imported to them they, they didn't really dictate that the market dictated that for them Everybody had these things, and they wanted them in the car, and they relented and said, okay, we'll put it in there. Wi-Fi is just the latest that's going to be thrown in there because people want that. And Wi-Fi Direct, I think, will be the future of wireless communication in, within the vehicle as far as your device with the system in the car, simply because you, just, you could just funnel more data that way. So uh, the, the car makers are not going to agree <laughs> on any any standardization here they don't want to work together when it comes to these things the they will abide by regulations that are imposed on them but not for them to sit at a, a round a big round table like a group of mobsters and figure out you know how they're you know how they're going to figure out to to to, to do business up the pie. In, yeah to do a to do business in a better way these guys compete with each other completely on differentiation uh, and all that for the longest time has been what they offer under the hood. But now they have to think about how they're doing that in the cabin as far as the technology that's in there. But it's very clear to me that they're going to need help, a lot of it, from the consumer electronics industry. So that's where Apple may come in and Google as well. So is this a time then where they're finally acknowledging their own weaknesses? Are they... Um, are they still overcome with hubris or have companies like Ford and Toyota and Mercedes and BMW acknowledge that we can't design great software and our focus is on hardware? 
Should we relent some of this to companies like Apple and Google? Or is it Apple and Google saying, you guys are making really crappy pieces of software and ruining the in-car experience for our customers, and therefore we're going to impose our own good design on your dashes? Yeah, I think those two points are largely implied because neither side is actually going to say that publicly. But that being said, they are both true because uh, the automakers just can't handle the the, the what's they can't handle the pace that mobile is uh, is at. I mean, uh, I've spoken to guys at Cunix and Cunix and all the other what we call tier one suppliers that actually manufacture the infotainment systems for the automakers, uh, they do it on spec. It's based on what the automakers want, not what would necessarily be possible or what would be the best. So that means, basically, that the automakers don't want to cede any control uh, of this. But then you have Apple and Google coming in with a software solution, CarPlay, Android Auto, that is supposed to simplify the way that we use the devices that we have, which, I mean, iOS and Android are obviously huge, it's supposed to simplify using those in the vehicle. It's much easier for a developer to optimize, say, an app for CarPlay than it would be for Ford system and then Audi system and then BMWs. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. because there's no standardization, because they're not playing on the same field, uh, developers basically would have to pick and choose which automaker to go with, which they're not going to do. No. So they'd rather go with with Apple and Google, who have their own platform. Where the, what the automakers don't like about this scenario is that Apple and Google call the shots. So, and they hate that. They're not. They'll well, never say that. We saw the same that. thing though with smartphones too. When Android first came out, you had all these companies who didn't necessarily like the fact that they had to go Android because they saw their software as their differentiating factor. You know every phone looks the same so yeah. what makes us us and it was like well it's the software you put on it and if the software you put on it is the same as everybody else's software how do you let people know that it's you know nokia or or hdc or whatever and i guess it's the same they're, they're running into the same problem where it's a reluctance to to let somebody else who knows better take care of it absolutely because they feel like and i think that's that's an issue that we we're seeing with the internet of things and like a lot of different industries especially like wearables and fashion where you have Wearable companies trying to make fashionable items without consulting the fashion industry. Fashion, like opening ceremony, had their mica thing with Intel, and I think it's it goes to show that there needs to be more partnerships between, I guess, software makers and car companies, or software makers and, and fashion houses and stuff like that. It's really interesting, I think. It is, yeah, and and I think one of the mitigating factors here that has to be noted is the issue of liability, uh, which is a major concern for any automaker, obviously. Uh, I mean, we've seen just in 2014 some embarrassing recalls uh, that happened oh, yeah. with some of the... And are those are those largeware, uh, largeware, are those largely software-based, or no. um, do they rely on the sensors inside the cars? Uh, I'm, try- I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, some of them, I believe, were mechanical. I don't know if any in particular... I mean, certainly none of them were related to infotainment, um, but, of course, because vehicles have so many sensors now, uh, there might have been a computer issue along the way uh, with, with one of them. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't be more, more specific. I, I can't quite recall all the different ones. But 
the you know, but the issue is still remains that liability is something they're naturally worried about. And you know, if someone were to crash into somebody else because they were fiddling with Spotify uh, on their on their CarPlay yeah, system, I mean, it's it's not Apple's fault ultimately. I mean, it's it's the automaker that takes the heat for that. So this is why there's a, a bit of a minefield uh, going on here, and there ha- it's an uneasy working relationship in my view. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but it, it seems to me like an uneasy working relationship between the likes of Google and Apple and the automakers. Uh, they need each other, but I suspect uh, in Apple's case in particular, based on recent rumors, that Apple is thinking, okay, you know what, these guys don't know what they're doing, uh, so, and frankly, their suppliers don't really seem to know what they're doing either. So we feel that we can do it a lot better, and, you know, let's explore that. So let's, I mean, let let, let us explore that. Let's look at, you know, a lot of the realities of driving a car today. Most people drive with a cell phone nearby some drive with a cell phone in hand ready to answer a phone call or action a text and some people actively initiate texts and phone calls and surf the web and read web pages while they're driving all of these things are not legal but if the thing you mentioned about liability if apple tries to make it easier for spotify to work on uh, within a car uh they're improving the overall safety of of the in-car experience um wouldn't the idea of liability still be something that the auto manufacturers look at as an inevitability of of degrees right inevitably you know you can be completely in focus and still be a bad driver Right. Oh, yeah. These are you know these are things that make you more likely to crash. But at the at the end of the day, um, all of these in car infotainment features are aimed to make the driving experience more safe rather than more entertaining. Right. Yeah. No doubt. I, I would agree with you. I mean, if there's one constant that we can always fall back on here, it's that people are going to use their smartphones in the car. Uh, I mean, you can legislate it. You can try and defer it. Uh, or debate it. I mean, there's you can do whatever you want with it. But the point is, people are going to do it. Uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I'm not going to sit here, you know, and be sanctimonious. I mean, it just it is what it is. Uh, the issue is, okay, how do we do that in a safer way? Now, CarPlay and Android Auto, uh, in particular, are very voice-driven platforms. Uh, I have not used them personally. I did extensive demos of both at CES, um, which I wrote about uh, for, for, for the site. And that's great. I mean, I think it's great that you can use your voice to interact and get things done. Uh, however, I, I think that it has to get to a point where Apple and, and Google have to open up their voice uh, platforms to developers. So that if I have Spotify open, I can actually do something in Spotify by using my voice as opposed to just launching the app and then having to use the the touchscreen on on the car to navigate, which 
you know, is not always, not always the most intuitive thing to do. Especially if you're dealing with very long playlists. I mean, you know, do you, who's going to scroll through a, a playlist of a couple hundred songs? It's crazy. So shouldn't, I mean, like uh, this, this sort of lean back experience in the living room, and I see a lot of the, I see a lot of parallels between what's happening in the living room uh, and in the car in the sense that mobile companies are basically using their smartphones as epicenters of an experience that you can then project onto a screen. So, for example, a Chromecast itself is kind of useless without a smartphone. Less so is an Android TV, like a, like a Nexus, an Android TV device, like a Nexus player. But by and large, uh, companies are using the base code framework for Android and iOS as as a means to expand the capabilities of these ecosystems, right? Um, but can you explain a little bit about what Android Auto and CarPlay are? Because I think a lot of people are confused in the sense that. Do they actually replace the controls in your car, or are they merely just extensions of what you can do on your phone? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so uh, to clarify, uh, neither of these these two platforms are decks or head units, as we call them, in and of themselves, meaning that there's no such thing as a CarPlay deck. There is such a thing as a CarPlay-enabled deck. So these two things are basically software that is driven by the phone that is connected to them hence why the phone has to be hardwired it has to be you know yeah basically have to plug the phone in in order for these uh, platforms to work they don't uh, you can't use these using bluetooth uh, in other words although I, I i hear that there might be an update uh, coming that will eventually add that but um so what it is they don't carplay or android neither carplay nor android auto control or take over the other controls of the car. So, for example, you're not going to be able to control your your car's climate, uh, you know, heating and air conditioning uh, using using CarPlay. That, that's not the, that's not the whole the point. The point is basically to simplify the things and apps that you would like the tasks and the apps that you would use on your phone. So Google Maps is naturally baked in to Android Auto. Apple Maps is naturally baked in to CarPlay. Hopefully they'll add uh, other mapping uh, and navigation uh, apps so that people have a choice, uh, but we'll, we'll find that out in time. But yeah, these, these, this is software that is, that is basically on the phone. It is funneled over to the deck. Uh, there are a couple of hardware requirements as far as you know the USB connection in the back, but these are not these are not major restrictions. Uh, it's just that the manufacturers, both the automakers and the aftermarket guys like Pioneer and Kenwood, uh, just have to build them uh, the right way so that they can be they can be enabled. Now, I, my understanding is that Android Auto will not work with uh, with head units that are under seven inches. Uh, it's something about screen optimization. I've tried to get an answer. I haven't gotten one, so I'm not sure why there is that restriction. Uh, CarPlay can work, it seems, on six inches and seven inches. So, uh, so there it is. But yeah, it, 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 this is not this is not dedicated hardware. This is basically software that's running off the phone. Uh, I believe uh, iOS 8.1 added CarPlay uh, functionality, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I have a question. Please. Um, 
I don't know. I don't CarPlay and and Android Auto are not my forte at all. But so when you're talking about they're just funneling information and data over from the phone, and when you talk about app makers being able to, I guess, optimize their app for for use on on those platforms. Is there any chance or any way that we would see maybe the likes of Spotify say, here's the version of our app that's going to be used on CarPlay so that when you connect your phone, I guess it goes back to cutting down on the, the amount of distraction so that if you're using it on just your phone, you can do whatever you want. You can scroll through all your playlists and like thousands of songs. But once you connect it to the car, you only have access to certain features. Is that a thing or am I, uh, am I dreaming? As, as far as specific features, I'm not sure. I mean, Spotify actually is already is already optimized yeah. for a car. So what it is like is it a, it's, so, is it a full featured version of Spotify or Yeah, I mean you have access to pretty much to everything. Uh hmm, the, the only the only issue for me is that you you can't you can't do a search with hmm. uh, with your voice yeah. with Spotify because there's no Siri integration with the app. Uh and because the way CarPlay works when the phone is plugged in you can't really do anything else on the phone. So the phone is rendered almost immobile uh, because the car plays... I guess the way it should be. Yeah, which is actually a very good idea. That that is a very good idea because then incoming text messages are read out to you as opposed to nothing is displayed as far as an incoming message. And then when you respond using your voice, you actually don't see it written out. Now, that could be good or bad depending on how autocorrect it works. (laughs) And who else is in the car Uh, with you. And who else is in the car. But I mean... You know, but the the there are there was cert- definitely there was some thought put into uh, functionality, convenience, and safety because those are the three things that you you have to have those three things. It's like that triangle yeah. of features that you have to have uh, when you're talking about uh, integrating a smartphone in the car. You know, I've often thought about the utility of voice as it pertains to mobile technology, and I've often found it. I've often been confounded with the the notion that um, the voice is the next big input method. Since Siri was announced in 2011, Apple has heavily pushed voice as the next frontier for input, especially when you're distracted. You know, they've they've talked about people carrying around their phones or they have their phone in their pocket and and they want to look something up, so they press the the button on their on their headset and they activate Siri and they say, "What's the weather going to be like?" And Siri says what the weather's going to be like for the next couple of days, or what was the score in the latest Raptors game last night, and it tells you. But there are so many situations where that is just not applicable. It's not feasible. It's not appropriate. And it does not work. And I feel like I can't be the only person who feels like it's forced. Like, that's the best way to do it, so I'm going to talk to my car because there's no other way for me to do it. Right, but but I, I mean, the car is really the only place that I find it extremely intuitive. I find it, uh, you know, especially once it gets smart enough that you can have back and forth conversations, or you can use what was given to you before as as levy for a future interaction. So, for example, if you say, um, what was the Raptor score last night? Oh, it was 97-96. Then you can say, how many points did DeMar DeRozan score? And it would give you that. It would use what was previously given as a, as a jumping-off point. And you can kind of maintain a sort of human-like conversation with this this uh, assistant. I find that to be quite you Please, know, Daniel, useful. you wouldn't need to get married at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have to talk to anybody except my phone. But... But just going back to the whole idea of, of voice as a, um, as a as an interaction method, 
it kind of it it to me mirrors the idea of car manufacturers using touchscreens, some resistive, some capacitive, and then going back to this sort of crown idea, this big, um, you know, uh, twist-based input method, right, where it's actually not as intuitive to touch a screen while you're driving. It may be better to, to turn a knob rather than um, talk to something or touch something. And, you know, I'm just wondering, like, as somebody who does this every day, Ted, what do you what do you find is most intuitive in the car? I think at the moment, based on where the technology is, is uh, the hybrid approach that you described. And I think a lot of automakers are going are still going that way. So, for example, uh, Ford Sync is one of the only systems that I know of infotainment. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. systems that I know of where you can control the climate of the vehicle by your voice. Uh, most other ones, it's, uh, it's a tactile. Uh, you, you have to actually push a knob or a button or something like that. Um, and in, 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 uh, each infotainment system is different. I mean, some push the envelope more than others, but for the most part, there is a hybrid of voice, uh, tactile, uh, you know, actual buttons or knobs, uh, and a screen that either you interact with with uh, in a capacitive way or there's some sort of way to control the screen like for example uh, uh, the German automakers generally use re uh, they don't use capacitive screens they use uh, an, uh, like a sort of a, a, a rotary dial uh, type uh, it's very similar <laughs> Mercedes BMW they all like they all use a very similar system uh, and you you navigate using that now it takes a little time to get used to it because it's not, again, it's not as intuitive, but th th this is like, we're in a transitionary phase now where I think they're trying to see how they can, how they can go from having that mix of things to basically just a talk and touch experience. Uh, and we've seen that in concept vehicles. Uh, I mean, Volkswagen showed something like that at CES. Cunix has showed vehicles like that for three years now more or less, uh, of different types of ideas where, you know, you, you take some of the tactile side of it out. But, uh, but until, until those two things progress, uh, I mean, until voice gets better, and I, I would argue until app integration really turns a corner to the point where we can use the apps that we really want to, and it's not a lot. I mean, I think most people will use no more than 20 apps in the car, and that might even be a high estimate. Uh, until we get to that point, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be this weird hybrid sort of approach where uh, <laughs> you uh, you use one or the other, depending on what, on what works best for you. Oh, man, I can't imagine using more than just a couple. Yeah, I mean, the I'm only like, what things you, what, that I do in apps? the car are I listen to music or, or podcasts or maybe an audio book. And I have a map in, 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 you know, going on my phone. I mean, what else would you really need 
that and your phone for yeah. in the car. No, I, I'm just saying, I, I guess I should have clarified. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying uh, different apps uh, of, of different types of apps, um, but more so apps that more or less do the same thing. Oh, uh, I see. So, for so example, 20 variations of the yeah. same category. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you might have someone who's an audio uh, subscriber. Another might be a Spotify subscriber. Someone else, you know, might have Deezer. Uh, all these apps at some point have to be integrated that way to accommodate people who are streaming music from them. I mean, same thing with maps. You know, you have somebody who might love using Waze. You might have someone who has CarPlay but wants nothing to do with Apple Maps. Uh, I mean, that could that could potentially be a case too. So I think there's going to have to be some some choice and some variation as far as that goes. But I agree with you in principle that yeah, I mean, really, as far as the types of apps. That are being used in the car. It's probably no more than a handful, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, but even so, there are so many different types, like different ones within those verticals that you probably want to get all of them on board. It's just it's going to take a little time. Right now, Spotify and RDO are on board with with CarPlay, so that's great. It's a good start, and hopefully, uh, we'll see more of those along with other mapping apps. Assuming Apple is amenable to that. Are there um, car manufacturers doing uh, a better job? Any ones that stand out to you um, that, at integrating these these services like CarPlay and, and uh, Android Auto? Have there been any companies that have just completely dropped the ball? Anybody that you think is just doing a terrible job? I mean, who's who stands out both in the positive and the negative space right now? Uh, well, it's tough because I haven't tested every single... Uh, automaker uh, system, so I, I, I do have to be uh, cognizant of that. But I would say, I, I mean, I think Ford Sync is, uh, in principle, actually a, a very good system uh, because it's unlike other systems. One thing I like about it is that I can string voice commands together. I can tell it to, uh, you know, uh, okay, set temperature to twenty, you know. To ten, uh, like climate, set temperature, 23 degrees. I can do that in a string of commands, whereas a lot of voice systems in vehicles is a give and take. It's a back and forth, uh, which is not even a real conversation. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the old Windows Vista where you have to say cancel or allow every time. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's not intuitive. It's, it's, it's time, wa- it, it's such a time waster that people just get fed up and say, okay, you know what, I'll just do it myself and put myself in potential danger in the process simply because you're not making making it convenient enough for me. Uh, so I, I would actually, to answer your question, I would actually uh, indict all of them uh, to, a very, to, to varying degrees because the industry as a whole, uh, and we're talking about an industry, by the way, that you know six or seven years ago was teetering on the brink of collapse, especially in North America. So for them to you know to come back and be profitable is, is good uh, for a lot of people who work uh, for them and benefit from that. But uh, the tech side of things is something I think they did not anticipate the, the the rapid pace with which mobile is going at. And so each each of them have tried to come up with a solution that is better than everybody else's because that's what automakers do. They try to make a vehicle that is better than every, every other guy. Uh, but, you know, smartphones are a unifying force. And, 
you're not going to be able to... I mean, Ford is not going to license out its platform to other guys. Uh, it, it, it doesn't work that way. So really, I don't want to call it a fool's errand, but it, it, was, it probably was not going to work the way that they initially intended. I mean, they... Even a couple of years ago at CES, they announced that they were opening up their dashboards. Okay, you know what? We're going to let developers start, uh, you know, start tweaking their apps and things like that for, uh, you know, for 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 sync. GM did the same thing too, but nothing really came of that. So you know, this reminds me of the Samsung conundrum. You know, the company's the biggest Android manufacturer in the world. They use another person, another company's software almost exclusively in their most successful products. And as a result, we've seen them grow tremendously over the last five or six years. But they're also pushing back against this. And like Apple, they want to own the entire stack. And in the, audio, in, in the auto space, it seems like these companies are trying to do the same thing, but with varying degrees of success. And it it seems like eventually they may have to just concede the the fight and join forces with these companies more than a little bit reluctantly. They may have to embrace the idea that they make hardware and only hardware. And yes, right. they can implement sensors. They can do whatever they need to do to make a great car. But at the end of the day, when somebody buys a car in 2015, they expect a great infotainment experience. And that's more than just a basic map and, you know, an auxiliary input. Yeah. And so, Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and I mean, is that even a potential outcome? Or do you think that they're going to fight to the death to, to become software vendors as well as hardware vendors? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they do want it all. But here's the problem. Uh, a car is not like a computer. A car is supposed to last 10 to 15 years. So, uh, I mean, if we were to look at a vehicle that came out in 2006 and we look at whatever infotainment system it had at that time, okay, I mean, I'm not even sure the word archaic would even describe it. Uh, It it wouldn't even work with anything that's out now. I mean, 2006, the iPhone was even out at that time. So that's why I say, like, even if we go back four or five years, these are very dated systems. Uh, and I mean, even Sync Three, for example, with Ford, that's not backwards compatible. That Siri integration is only for Ford Sync Three, not for Sync Two. So it's they crazy. do want it all, but at the same time, you can't have it all if you can't cover everybody. You know, right? Uh, and I that's, mean, I think, a problem is that it goes back to the, they're not building software; they're building a platform. Yeah, they don't seem to yeah. get that. Anybody yeah. can build a UI, but it takes a lot more expertise and a lot more manpower to build a platform yeah absolutely i mean i i interviewed a i interviewed an installer uh, and uh, you know out in the west coast uh and he i've talked to him before and this is for a story i was researching about modular hardware upgrades and whether the automakers were considering that and one point he made and i thought of this as well we were going back and forth about it was okay could the automakers actually separate the product cycle so that everything else in the vehicle under the hood the chassis the whole thing is on its regular four-year product cycle but you have a gaping hole in the dash basically where you lower that to like six to twelve months so that you are more or less on track with is that possible i don't know 
uh, instead I, of just I, instead of having it as a dash, just make it like a really complicated car stereo, and then people can yeah. just I mean swap them in and automakers I've asked either danced around the question or you know couldn't really talk about it. My hmm. and, and my sense is is maybe the reason why it can't happen is a point I made earlier in, in, in the cast here is that there are different internal entities that make up the that, that make up the production of a car. And my sense is that they don't want to lose their clout. So the guys who work on the infotainment stuff in the car, uh, you know, may, maybe they might, they might like the idea that they can work on a shorter time frame, or they might hate it, or it might be other, other parts, other entities in there who might say, okay, you know, why are these guys getting, the, 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 you know, the special treatment? I mean, again, I'm speculating here. I don't know that this is yeah. actually what goes on. But, but it seems to make sense. Is it possible? I don't know. And at the same time, we're also talking about companies that are so monolithic uh, you know, it's like a glacier. Uh, you know, making a sharp turn. It, it it's not going to happen. They don't move very quickly. I mean, we've seen uh, a number of companies in consumer electronics. Uh, Microsoft comes to mind. Uh, you know, the turn that they're making right now. That turn probably started a couple of years ago. So it it, it it does take time. But hopefully they figure it out. But uh, my you know, sense- I I like to think. I like to think that Sat- Satya Nadella came into work on his first day as CEO, sat down, and basically just like flipped. Um, yeah, he just did the, the arm the sweep old across desk. the, the just, CEO yeah, desk. Yeah, basically yeah. just like f everything. We're starting from scratch. <laughs> Isn't and, it amazing though? He's doing like, like it's a different company than it was even a year ago. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, and and look, I, I like him. I, I I liked him from the beginning, considering the clown that he replaced. Um, oh my oh. goodness! Your your Balmer rants were <laughs> the best, the most. I would love one day to just get you on a Balmer rant podcast and just have you go off for two hours. Well, you, know, you didn't like Steve Balmer. No, it, it's, I'm oh, personal against the man. I just I, I feel <laughs> I, I feel like. You know, and, and look, counterfactuals are always. You know, it's going to get but, really mean when someone starts with it. It's not personal. It's no, just. No, it isn't. It isn't. It's just. I mean, when you are, when you're king of the mountain, pretty much, and you let all your competitors more or less pass you by, uh, you should not have had your job for almost 15 years. I mean, you really shouldn't have, uh, in my in my view. Um, so you know, he was probably the one of the worst CEOs of our generation, uh, no question. And uh, Nadella comes in, and in one year, I mean, this guy has already started to change the, the culture and the perception mm-hmm. of, the, of the place, which is incredible, considering that in 12 months, the guy has really changed uh, a lot of that. So, you know, it, it's an interesting case, uh, but, I, I mean, we're not really here to talk about no. <laughs> Microsoft. No, we are, and, and we're, we're going to talk about Microsoft a little bit later. Um, but, Ted, I, I want to go back a little bit and talk about Tesla, because... I read uh, a tweet by Elon Musk a few months ago where he said that an over-the-air software update is going to be released for the Model S at that time in the coming days that would actually improve the acceleration of the hardware based on an algorithmic change that would cut 0.1 seconds off its 0 to 60 time. And I just... That blew me away. It absolutely said to me that software is so important to the future of automaking that 
a, a mere piece of a mere change in an algorithm pushed over the air to a car can improve its performance and not only that he has looked at this as tesla first and foremost as a technology company that happens to make cars yes and do you see that mindset as being integral to the future of this industry you know this this kind of um, we are engineers that happen to design beautiful cars rather than we are a car manufacturer that attack, that tacks on our, our software to the end of it. And, and how important is that? Well, Tesla is a fascinating case, uh, and for really for the reason you described, because this is a technology company that, yes, does make cars. And also it's probably the first automotive manufacturer that I can think of in like the last 100 years, the last century, that has, that has come in out of nowhere and actually made an impact uh, in an industry like this. Uh, I mean, others have come and gone. You know, I mean, everybody still remembers the DeLorean. Uh, if, if that guy didn't get into the drug problems that he got into, then things might have been different. But uh, I digress. Even, <laughs> at any rate. <laughs> That's a pod the, for another day. Uh, uh, the, 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 the point is that. Um, yeah, the, the software updates, because now this also has to do with the fact that it is an electric vehicle. I, I, I don't know intrinsically if this type of, uh, of software updating would have the same effect on, on, a, on a combustion engine vehicle. I'm not sure, or even a hybrid for that matter. But given being that it's an electric car and it's a very highly connected electric car, uh, it is one of the reasons why it's, it's expensive. Uh, I mean, there's just so much computing going on in there that... Yeah, a big software update, I mean, just like a major update to an OS on a phone uh, can change the, some of the functionality or some of the usability uh, of, uh, and, and the performance, the same is true of a car, as far as Tesla goes, anyway. So, yeah, I think what we're talking about is the future. We're talking about a future where software is going to be a major, major uh, component of, of a vehicle's longevity, uh, of its performance, uh, and I mean, who knows what other facets it might impact. So, I mean, that brings us to Apple and these rumors that Apple has been working on building its own car. You take issue with that. You wrote a fantastic editorial that we posted yesterday that um, you know breaks the issue down. They don't want to make cars. They want to be a tier one supplier for existing cars. Um, you know, with the time we have left, I think we have uh, just a few minutes left. Um, can you talk about that? Why would Apple change its entire business plan to become uh, just a cog in, in an existing uh, very, very highly regulated and, and, and saturated machine? Well, I think, first of all, I think the, the, the rumor that Apple would actually want to get into the business uh, of of actually manufacturing vehicles, I, I think is insane. Um, this is not a business that I think Apple really wants to be in. Uh, I, I'm not saying they couldn't do it. Obviously, with you know when you're sitting on a pile of money like they are, I suppose you can you know you can shoot for the stars. But uh, I don't think that's really what this is about. I think that they recognize, uh, just like I think with TVs as well, that there is a major major hole that needs to be plugged. And they needed the expertise to tackle this, so they brought in people that they felt could do that. They've also tried poaching people from Tesla, 
In fact, uh, I mean, if the reports are true, it's very generous offers that they've been making. But, um, but yeah, I, I suspect that uh, what they might be considering here is sort of a hybrid software hardware approach where, you know, we're not happy. We're, you know, CarPlay's not enough because it doesn't go deep enough, first of all, and also it makes us deal with the automakers in a way where we can't, we can't really dictate uh, where things go. So why not take over the whole dash entirely? Let's control it all. And what, what does that mean, though, well, uh, taking over the whole dash? Well, for example, I mean, perhaps, perhaps they're saying, okay, you know, just like a tier one supplier would manufacture the, the actual infotainment system itself, the display, uh, you know, maybe the components, the chips, whatever goes in there. Uh, I mean, all the back end stuff that goes in that we don't actually see. Uh, maybe maybe they're looking to to take over all of that. Perhaps they're saying, you know what, the dash of the future that we see is one that's you know completely touch and voice enabled, and we have the capability basically to do that better than anybody else. So we're going to give it a shot, and that could be what it's about because like they're in other words, I'm saying if their their vision of what a dash in the car is might be very, very different than what we are seeing today or what the automakers might be working on now. So my speculation, you know, uh, and it's totally speculation, is that they are dabbling with the idea of being a Tier 1 supplier. They're actually looking to manu- like to build uh, the Dash, the infotainment systems, as a, you know, as a whole, as opposed to just a layer that would go on top of an existing system, which is essentially what CarPlay is. So I, I, I guess they're probably not happy with just that. They want a bigger piece of the pie, and they recognize that the entire industry has a problem. And if they do it well enough, uh, they could... I mean, why make... It's like I said in the, in the article. Why make your own car when, you're, when your technology can be in everybody else's? Right. Mm. And I, I guess it's... I mean, the analogy is not perfect, but Apple is still a cog in the telco machine. They're making the hardware that people buy, but they're still reliant on the carrier um, system. They're reliant on uh, on on the the LTE and 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 the the other specifications. You know, they're they're reliant on on Qualcomm as a as a chip manufacturer. So as much contr- as as much control as they have in in this circle. They're still one component of a very complicated, virtuous cycle, in which they happen to take home most of the profit. But they, I mean, as they've proven with with their systems on a chip, they can now transition from being a hardware manufacturer to a semiconductor manufacturer pretty easily and pretty successfully. If they wanted to become a carrier, they could. If they wanted to be, um, if if they wanted to, you know, work with the uh, GSMA to, or you know, to to solidify the next LTE spec. I'm sure they could, and perhaps they even do. But right now, they're focusing on making really great hardware. So I get, you know, reading your article, it sort of makes sense. If Ford wants the best in-app experience, in-car experience, buy the Apple Dash and sell it in all of their premium cars, right? And yeah, yeah. you know that that to me sounds like. A pretty good future, uh, yeah. especially since right now it's so disjointed. 
Oh, yeah. And it goes back to saying what, like, if, if they want Ford to turn around and say, that's what we want, that's what we want in our car. That's why they need all these experience, these these people with the experience for like in car interiors and like all that kind. Of, those people that they're hiring are rumored to be hiring. It's like you know, if you don't know how to do it, get an expert who does. So if they have all those people helping them to design, you know what they feel is the perfect infotainment system, they've got a better shot at selling it to to more manufacturers. Absolutely. Yeah, and imagine imagine being the the manufacturer saying we have an Apple Dash. Right. Mm. Nobody else Apple does. Car. Or, yeah, we are. The exactly. Car. Right. They're 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 making all the other components. Right. I mean, the thing is that there's so many factors into making a good car. Right. I mean, it's not just the engine. You know, it's 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 right. I mean, the car is 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 a piece of machinery and it's a computer at the same time. And, you know, that's the reality that these manufacturers have to uh, have to face. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say, you know, when we're talking about affordable vehicles, uh, the luxury and high end is a totally different thing because that the, you see more, you see more a, a differentiation and and a, and a little more competition. I would say uh, under the hood, you know, hey, I can go faster than you. My engine does this, you know, like fuel economy and all that. I mean, there's there's a lot of things at the high end that, especially on design, that differentiates one car from another. But when you look at the affordable vehicles from all the automakers. Under the hood, there's not a huge, huge difference there. Uh, I, I'm not saying that they're all the same because uh, every uh, you know every car looks a little different and everything, but it's they, there's not the same level. Uh, the paradigm is is kind of different, I think, when you're talking mm-hmm. about affordable vehicles. So, if Apple and 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 Google could be working, I mean, Google is working on their own stuff with cars, but if Apple is working on something that is applicable to every vehicle. I mean, regardless of whether it's an affordable one or not, and, and, and maybe it's scalable. I mean, who knows? But it, if they're working on something that could be applicable to all of them, uh, that is especially appealing to the consumer. Uh, and right. maybe to – and obviously to a certain degree the automakers as well, although they're not going to be convinced of it initially because they ultimately still want to compete with each other on uh, on what's in the cabin. Um, they they don't they don't necessarily want to be using the same thing that the other guy is using. They're still in that mindset of hey you know this is our Mercedes is a Mercedes inside and out. Mm-hmm. You know what you get inside and out is going to be different than you get from anybody else, right? And that that more or less sums up the way all these car manufacturers look at it. Uh, that's the way I see it. Anyway, I mean they might have a different opinion, but. That's that's just the way it comes across to me. So uh, Apple could be a unifying entity here, but uh, you are you are right though in that they, Apple will have to work with certain partners in order to get this to happen. They're not going to be able to make everything uh, in, mm-hmm. in the system, but uh, they I think are they probably figure that they may have ideas that in practice will work better than anybody else. Well. I uh, I think we're gonna have to leave it there because, you know, we we have uh, a few more days left in the auto show. If you haven't gone yet, uh, when does it end? Tomorrow? No, twenty second. Twenty second. Okay, so so this weekend. Um, and I mean, aside from the fact that you can't see a lot of great infotainment um, tech, the cars themselves are amazing. And yeah. if you're interested in in cars, 
I mean, let's be real. If you've been, if you're interested in cars, you've probably already gone to the car yeah. show. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think us telling you about it is going to be a surprise. But uh, 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 I, I was well, pretty impressed with it. Yeah, a, a number of cars actually that are going to have CarPlay and Google, uh, sorry, and Android Auto are are are, are actually at the show. Uh, yeah. they, they just they're not showing it. That's that's the only thing. So I, I for yeah. anybody who hasn't gone yet and is interested in going, uh, I I would recommend that you do ask uh, whoever you're speaking with there whether or not the vehicle is. Some vehicles will have it, some won't. So uh, just ask, and, and I'm sure they'll let you know. All right. Well, Teddy, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it, man. No, my Yay. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. And uh, we, we didn't quite get to the other stuff that we wanted to chat about, but uh, we'll have you back on a future pod to talk to talk wireless charging and other general tech as well. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime, anytime. I, I had a great time. Awesome. So next week... I will be in uh, comparatively Barcelona. balmy Barcelona. Yes. And uh, we will try to do a pod. Uh, not sure if it's going to happen. But uh, if, if it doesn't happen on my end, Jane and Douglas will, uh, will stand in. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, please, if you like our little pod, give us a, uh, a five-star rating on your favorite uh, podcatching app or uh platform uh especially on itunes we we uh want this to be more than just a, a canadian pod we talk about some some really cool stuff tell your friends tell your family tell your little brother uh and uh, we will see you next week all right bye all right, cheers hi this is bachelor clues from game of roses of course and i want to talk about club med Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.